Sir, that Ryan is a hap, hap, happy guy. I love that. Well, good morning. How you doing? Oh, I said, how you doing? Good. My name is Bill Reeser. I am the pastor of Encounter on Friday nights, the place where hope can be found. It really is our discipleship engine. Uh, it's not the ministry for those people. It really is the discipleship engine of the church, and we are... Uh, it's just a, uh, an honor to be a part of it and see the people grow in their relationship with Christ and, uh, and just see God do amazing miracles as, as well. By the way, that's unceasing prayer the first Friday of every, uh, month next Friday. I've got the time slot from three to four. So if you want to join me in here from three to four, uh, feel free to do so and sign up for that. Got a lot of things really, uh, I just believe it's a freeing message. We're going to hit on a lot of topics this morning. Let's, let's, uh, speaking of prayer, let's just go to God in prayer. Father, we just come to you and we trust you with our lives. And many of us, including myself, have been overcome with guilt, shame, regrets, fear, worry, anxiety. And I pray that today would be a chain-breaking day where those things would not be allowed to leave this room. They may have come in, but they're not leaving this room in Jesus' name. I pray that the love and power of God would wipe those things out, that you would give us a revelation of your love, of your truth, and what you did for us so that we can be free once and for all from all guilt, shame, regrets, fear, worry, and anxiety. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was on vacation and down in Florida in my uh, nothing box. Men have a nothing box, by the way. We can go into it. We don't have to think about anything. Women, you don't have a nothing box. You've got too many circuits flying in there. And the men, we can just go into nothing, not thinking about anything. And uh, I was in my nothing box, and a friend called me from California, and he challenged me with this one question. He said, Bill, what does it mean to have the mind of Christ. Think about it before you answer. And I thought about it and I prayed about it. We, we had a long discussion about it. And that conversation and that thought of what it means to have the mind of Christ led to uh, almost a five-week series that we've been doing. We, and we're still in, actually, at encounter of what it means to have the mind of Christ. You see, 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, but we have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. When was the last time you thought about what it means to have the mind of Christ, to think like Christ, to love like Christ? And by the way, all those things that I prayed for, guilt, shame, regrets, worry, fear, and anxiety, they cannot coexist with the person with the mind of Christ. They just cannot because the mind of Christ doesn't deal with those things. Christ never had anything to forgive himself of. Christ didn't deal with panic. Christ didn't deal with anxiety. Christ didn't deal with worry. Christ didn't deal with guilt. He took on those things for us so that we can be free from those things. And those two things, if you have the mind of Christ, there's a couple things that, that you need to know. One, you are deeply loved. When you wake up every day and you activate the mind of Christ, there's one thought that should flood your heart and that you are deeply loved. If you don't hear anything else I say today, in the midst of what we're going to talk about, just know this, you are deeply loved. Another thing about the person that knows he has the mind of Christ or she has the mind of Christ is that you have power. You have the power of God. You have the Holy Spirit. Not just any power, 
But the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead not only lives inside of you, but is for you. And so I anchor to that what we teach at Encounter is believe that God's love and power can restore hope and healing. This is a life-changing principle. This is a life-changing anchor. And you combine God's love and God's, and God's power together. There's nothing in all creation that can stop the plan of God for your life. Nothing. I, I know of no other scripture that exemplifies anchor two. And by the way, anchor two not only can make a difference in your life, but it can make a difference in our nation's life, in our city's life. If everyone would believe that God's love and power can restore hope and healing, it would be a great day. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a sound mind. You see, fear doesn't come from God. It's a spirit, by the way. But here's what God has given us. We have the mind of Christ. He's given us the spirit of power. That's the Holy Spirit. And it's not just any type of love that you have that you need to know that you're deeply loved, but it's perfect love. And I want you to hear that this morning as well, too. You are perfectly loved by God. And God looks at you, not in your mistakes, not in your guilt, not in your shame, not in the things you've done, not in the things that have been done to you, but he looks at you as perfect. He sees you as sinless. He sees you as clean, forgiven, free of shame, free of guilt, free of regrets. He sees himself in you when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. And this is what it means to put on the mind of Christ. And so, and when we believe we have the mind of Christ, guess what? You have a sound mind. You have a sound mind. And so, like I said, for the past few weeks at Encounter, we've been talking about how to recover from fear, worry, and anxiety. But what we learned is that people with guilt, shame, regrets, unhealthy guilt, shame, and regrets deal with fear, worry, and anxiety as a byproduct of their guilt, shame, and regrets. Now, you've heard of weapons of mass destruction, right? I like to call these things that we're talking about this morning weapons of self-destruction. Guilt, shame, regrets, fear, worry, and anxiety. Get rid of guilt, shame, and regrets in your life. You'll get rid of fear, worry, and anxiety. And the sad thing is that most people, even in the body of Christ, are stuck in these prisons of self-destruction. They learn how to cope and manage or at least convince themselves they have it under control. But God never intended us to cope with guilt, shame, or regrets or even get it under control. Our bodies, our lives are not designed for that. He sent Jesus Christ to fix, to heal, and to set us free once and for all from unhealthy guilt, shame, regrets, fear, worry, anxiety, all these weapons of self-destruction. And the sad thing is, I believe the enemy's laughing at every person caught in this trap of this debilitating emotional roller coaster ride of instability and ruin. He even laughs harder at every attempt to dig out of this, out of this prison through our own coping and self-pride. And yes, you can add pride as the gasoline and fuel that drives you to manage and cope with guilt, shame, and all these weapons of self-destruction. And I can't help but think, because I did this, how many of us are wasting years trying to escape these prisons of self-destruction? 
Because we know that fear, being afraid of getting caught, hiding out along with anxiety, being anxious is the destination that unhealthy guilt, shame, and regrets lead us to. Shame, guilt, regrets, three biggest reasons people don't come to encounter. You think it's a ministry or for people who have problems. Well, you all got problems. It's a spiritual growth program. If you want to grow, you come to encounter. You want to get over some stuff, you come to encounter. You see, every Friday we create space for everyone, just like we will at the end of this service this morning, for every person to have their own encounter with the Holy Spirit. We do that every Friday night. And I truly believe this, that what we do at Encounter is what is needed before any revival or major move of God is going to happen in this church or in this country. I really believe that because here's why. See, when you get in God's presence, there's no room for posturing. There's no room for sin. There's no room for hiding. There's no room for shame, guilt, fear, regrets, worry, anxiety, and pride. There's no room for dishonesty. There's no room for phonies. There's no room for Pinterest Christians who post a picture of they want others to believe of who they are instead of realizing who they really are in Christ. And the reason why people don't come on Fridays is because they're ridden with guilt, shackled with shame, and ruined by their regrets. Shame compels them. Now, I'm only talking to people in the first service, not you. Shame compels them, yeah, that's right, to come to me and tell me what a wonderful job I'm doing for those people. Sunday church has become a glorified fake paradise. And just like the garden, they come in. You come in. But you're afraid and you hide. Oh, you may not be wearing a mask anymore, but you're wearing a mask disguising who you really are. You won't tell anyone about that thing that's been done to you. You won't tell anyone about the shame, the guilt, the regrets in your life. Because coming to encounter is frightening. You're scared to death to get honest, to get vulnerable, to get truthful with trusted, safe people. So guilt and shame get demolished and healing can finally take place once and for all. Shame convinces people they've been rejected by God because significant people in their lives have rejected them. Therefore, you believe that God has rejected you. And therefore, many people believe they are something wrong. Guilt convinces people that they did something wrong, and that keeps them running. And regrets is all you have when guilt and shame destroys your life. And this sick cycle of sin, guilt, shame, hide, being afraid, blaming others, never taking personal responsibility for their own lives that started in the garden is crippling the church and it's crippling our society today. And because of shame, because of rejection, because of fear, because of insecurity, people have this fear, which again doesn't come from God, about getting honest with their struggles. In other words, if I tell you who I really am, which is a shame statement and mindset, and you reject me, then I'm all I've got. That's what you're thinking inside. And I can't handle another rejection and setback in my life because my shame and my guilt has got me on the ropes of despair because my coping and trying to fix my shame and guilt is wearing me out and I'm tired and I'm beat up. And I gotta tell you this morning, the one thing that the church needs to be is completely authentic and honest before God and before each other. You know, I grew up in the streets of New York City. You don't get over on the 
people in the streets of New York City. Guess what? You ain't getting over on the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit knows everything about your life. He knows about that thing that you're, you're trying to take to your grave that you will never tell a single person about. He knows everything about you. And you know what? His grace is bigger than it. His love is bigger than it. His forgiveness is waiting for you. His grace wants to be poured out on you because where sin abounds, even that much more grace abounds. But you've got to bring yourself, you just got to be honest. The good, the bad, the ugly. And here's what we need as a church. We need connection. We need each other. We need community. We need groups. We need encounter Bible studies to work through this stuff. We need encounters with the Holy Spirit so he can reveal and rip out the root issues of our lives. Now, I know you, a lot of you are reading books. Many of you are reading the book of Xanax and Ziffendale, popping a pill, taking a glass of wine at night. Instead of reading the book of Zephaniah, realizing that God's mighty to save and he delights over you with singing and dancing. He does. Sorry to call you out on that. No, I'm not. Jesus came to break the curse of the garden. Jesus came to break the curse of guilt, shame, regrets. He came to break your anxiety. He came to break your worry. He came to break your fear. He came to break the curse of sin. Not just some of the sin, and it may not be your sin. For a lot of us, it's the sin that was committed to us, against us. The wrong that was done against us. But watch this. Jesus also came to fix the effects of all that sin in your life. You see, the power of God goes way beyond, now that I'm saved, I'll do my best to behave. That's what we do. Get saved and now do your best. Live up to this standard. See, that's trusting in yourself to do what Christ has already done. And when you do that, you're setting yourself up for a shame attack when you fail to meet the standard. Who can meet the, I can't, listen, I can't, I can't live up to God's standard. I can't even live up to my own standard. Certainly can't live up to Carolyn's standard. My wife has a high standard. And watch this. When a standard's not met, then an expectation is not kept if you're filling in the blanks. And when an expectation is not kept, then there are consequences. We know that, right? And what is, what's the consequence for falling short? It's the emotional tags and conditions the enemy produced in Adam and Eve. Right? And what is that? Being afraid, always running, always hiding. Friends, you're looking at a runner. I've been, I ran from God. Now I run to God. It's, best, it's better to run to God. You're either running from the cross, you're running to the cross, or you're running away from the cross. That's why the Bible tells us to walk as Jesus did. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? So this is what it looks like. Real simple. Give you another antidote. Figure out how this looks like. We have to put on Christ. Another scripture. We have to, put, we have to activate the mind of Christ. Another scripture. Romans 13, 14 says we have to clothe ourselves. The Lord Jesus Christ each and every day. So listen, you, every day you got to get dressed for battle. Every day you got to get dressed for battle. You wake up every day. Got to put on the armor that Neil talked about a few weeks ago. Okay. Then after that, we got to clothe ourselves with Christ. Now we have to activate the mind of Christ because every day is a different day. And I don't know about you, maybe you realize this, but I had a friend tell me one time, every day we wake up to a roulette wheel of different emotions. Have you discovered that? One Sunday you come in laughing, another Sunday you come in crying. 
One Monday you wake up sad, next day you wake up, you know, full of joy, happy and all this stuff. We wake up to a roulette wheel of emotions, but any of those negative emotions, anxiety, fear, worry, guilt, shame, regrets, any of those things that come to the doorpost of our mind, if we're getting, if we're getting dressed every day, we're in God's word, we're in God's presence, we're hearing the voice of God, we got the armor of God, we've got the mind of Christ, okay, we're clothed with Christ, any of those, any of those thoughts come by the doorpost of our minds, because the battlefield is in the mind, we can just take those thoughts captive, take authority over those things, and cast those things away from us, because that's the power and authority that you have in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you believe that? That is really is that simple. If you believe that. There's a, listen. The blood won. The blood won. Okay? It's not like we're walking around figuring out how we're gonna, you know, how we're gonna live, how we're gonna do it. The blood won. And one drop of blood applied to your life is more powerful than all the weapons in Ukraine and Russia and in the entire world today. That's how much power you have, but it's also how much authority that you have in Jesus' name. Even if you are a one-day Christian, if you give your life to Jesus today, you'll have as much authority and power as anyone walking with God, and nothing in all creation can stop you and the authority that you have in Christ. Now, there's a cost to guilt and shame. It'll cost, it'll cost me and myself. It'll cost you in all your relationships. And it'll certainly cost you in your relationship with God. But I want to remind you today in Romans 8, 1. Therefore now, there is no shame, if you will, because it says if you, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? That's your identity. Your identity is, I am never going to be condemned ever again. Therefore, I should never, ever let guilt and shame and regrets dominate my thoughts, my life, and who I am. And see, if I'm in shame, walking in shame, not that I've lost my salvation, but I've sort of stepped outside of Christ for a moment. Because listen, every day, like it says in Amos 3, 3, I have, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? So I'm walking, I got Jesus is in heaven, so I got one hand here, I got the Holy Spirit here, Jesus says, it's better for you that I go unless I go. The counselor, the comforter won't come. When he comes, he'll be with you. He'll be in you. And when scripture says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, what's he talking about? Well, the Holy Spirit. So I'm walking with the Spirit. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm praying. They're both praying for me. And the person with the mind of Christ walks hand in hand with God each and every day. But when we let worry Fear, guilt, shame, all these weapons of self-destruction flood our minds and our thoughts. It's as if we're not walking with them. That's what it feels like, right? See, guilt left unattended turns to shame. Always does. And it's the shame. It's that little sweet spot between guilt and shame. I think the enemy loves to play that same thing with conviction, condemnation. And, And conviction can be a good thing. You see, it reminds us that we have an area of our lives that we need to reconcile and repent to God with, right? It's supposed to drive us to the foot of the cross. However, if we don't act in response to that conviction, it's that little spot is where the enemy steps in, and now it turns into condemnation. But guilt, but shame, condemnation are tools by the enemy. They're used for one purpose, and that's to make us run away from God. 
And shame is going to lead us into something to cover up that shame. Because at the end of the day, all shame is, is of the darkness. It's dark. It's not from God. And when kept in the darkness, it leads us further and further away from God's best. Shame is the driving force to get legitimate needs met in an illegitimate way. That's where the sixth cycle of strongholds, even addictions, come into play. And one trick, one trick that either our minds can play on us or that the enemy can play on us is to make us feel like we are the only ones. And feeling like no one in the world can possibly be okay with me because I'm not even okay with me. And then you isolate. You may not isolate to where you're just by yourself all the time, but you isolate from good, healthy relationships all the time. And here's really what it comes down to. Guilt says I've done something wrong, and if you don't, if you don't take that guilt to the right place, it will convince you of shame, which says I am something wrong. And now, if you get to that stage... Now your identity's messed up, and that is an open door for all sorts of demonic activity, for all sorts of negative mindsets, all sorts of insecurities and fears, and shame and guilt now gets magnified in your life, and it is designed to take you out. It's a historic biblical weekend as we celebrate the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Life, life. We celebrate life as we should, but in the midst of that celebration of life, uh, as a church, I believe that our work is just beginning. It doesn't end there. And now, as, my, as part of my heart celebrates the decision for life, it also breaks for the aftermath and the destruction that it, this thing called abortion has wreaked on the lives of so many people. Christians, non-Christians. And people need grace. People are going to need the love of God. People are going to need... And, to believe that God's love and power can restore hope and healing. Change is not going to happen by laws. Change will happen when the body of Christ raises up and bees the church and, be, and becomes the church it's supposed to be. With love, com, compassion, truth, full of grace, full of truth. And we need, we need to be prayerful about what we're going to do next to handle the aftermath of this. Amen? Last night, my wife was in a conversation with a dear, a dear, dear friend from California who came to encounter. And uh, I want to share a little bit about her story. Uh, she was a Christian, conservative Christian, forced to have an abortion in 2012. Here's what she writes. Here's what Jamie writes. When I was called to tell him, when I called to tell him I was pregnant, 
His first words were, get rid of it. The intense emotions being put in that position, his demand, his abuse, killing a life, defying my morals, defying my material instincts, rejecting a gift I wanted. The experience of doing it. The emptiness and finality afterwards, the, an- the anniversary of it, and the random reminders is all so much. That decision in 2012 literally destroyed me from the inside out. She goes on to say, as a result of this and other trauma, I used to have PTSD so bad that I'd go into panic-induced seizures. When I flipped from not believing to surrendering to God, on July 13, 2017, I was changed. But it was on March of 2018 at a Bible study when I was asked to hold a baby and gaze into her beautiful, innocent blue eyes. My eyes welled up with tears of guilt and regret for the decision I made. And I prayed for forgiveness as I gently swayed her. At the end of the night, it was just me, the pastor, and and this woman, Pauline, who was like a second mother to me growing up that I just recently reconnected with. Cleaning and packing to leave, I was telling her about the moment and my regret for having the abortion when it hit me. I collapsed on the floor and went into convulsions. I don't remember it all, but they told me it looked like demons were exiting my body, but fighting so hard to stay. Latched on, but the pastor and Pauline prayed over me with all their hearts, and then suddenly my body went relaxed, and it was like I was waking up from a dream. The next day was the first time I woke up and felt peace since 2012. You know what? I haven't had a panic-induced seizure since. Praise God. Amen. She goes on to say, to me, this is such a complex, dynamic issue involving factors such as religion, family values, relationship dynamics, financials, medical necessity, and morals. She goes, it's hard to understand, and she encouraged everyone to walk alongside the person you disagree with, to guide them in the light with care and compassion and not condemnation or attack. It's not about proving who's right, it's about doing what's right. I remember, I remember meeting with her and looking at her in the eyes. Matter of fact, I remember just talking to her after she tried to commit suicide in the hospital. After she came, after she came to, I reminded her about God's love. I reminded her that that encounter is a shame-proof society of people who have been greatly forgiven by God, who know how to love much because they know how deeply they've been forgiven. And there's no guilt, there's no condemnation for her. And she worked through some hard stuff, and I'm here to tell you today that Jamie is doing just fine. She's forgiven and free from all guilt, shame, I know that there's some women here you've never told a single soul. I'm not asking you to stand up and say that's me, but I'm asking you today to finally, once and for all, realize that you are deeply loved, deeply forgiven, 
if you accept God's free gift through Jesus Christ. And you don't ever have to walk with that shame ever again. This is a guilt-free zone in this place. Shame doesn't live here. Shame, shame does not live here. This is a guilt-free, shame-free zone. You know, it's not hard to find people who can validate this point. I think of the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. All that time, unclean, uncom- uncomfortable, uncomforted. Like many of you, she had great faith, but she also had great shame. And she had a problem. What do I do, even though I have faith, what do I do with this shame in my life? You see, her faith told her that all she had to do was touch the hem of his garment. But how could she ask him in front of the crowds? Her faith compelled her to chase Jesus Christ down in a crowd. Her shame compelled her to do it without anyone noticing. Her faith told her all she needed to do was touch the hem of his garment, but her shame told her to do it without being seen or, or saying anything. See, our shame frequently encourages us to hide in the wrong places. We hide in our homes. We hide in our housework, our yard work. We hide in our iPhones. We hide behind Netflix. We hide behind our fashion facades, education facades, career facades, Facebook facades, pulpit facades. We hide in the busyness, procrastination. We hide behind the snarkiness and the humor. We hide in our gossip. We hide in our criticism of others. We hide in church. We hide in our Bible studies. We hide in our mission trips. We hide in our serving. We hide in our church conferences. Listen, shame could care less who the Amicalites are and who the Philistines are. Shame, shame could care less whether you think we're post-trib, mid-trib, pre-trib, having a midlife crisis. Shame could care less. Guilt could care less. You can do all the church activities you want. You can get on that hamster wheel Monday through Sunday and do all the church activities you want. As long as you got shame and guilt and regrets in your life, they could care less how many times you come to church. But until you take authority over it and release it to Jesus Christ, it'll be with you forever. But today, it is not allowed to leave the room with you. I don't even know where we're at, but we'll find it. You know, one thing about, I I give credit to gay people. They have coming out parties, and and they announce it. They announce it. You know, if you got shame, I want to say today, let this be a coming out party. The problem is, and the issue is, with shame, you don't ever go there again. You say, I'm coming out, but I'm not going, I'm closing that door and never going back there again. Ever again. So we're going to have a party at the end of this. And just because pride, listen, there is a place to hide. That offers the protection we seek where all our shame is covered and we no longer need to fear. And that's the refuge of Jesus Christ. Colossians 3 says this, set your minds, set your minds. How do you set your mind? It's real simple. You ready? You ready to set your mind? Wake up every day and say, I have the mind of Christ today. Now you've just set your mind. You believe it. If you, I got the mind of Christ today. You know what happens? You'll start thinking like Christ. 
You'll start loving like Christ. Listen, when it comes to this thing about guilt and condemnation, you will never lock eyes with someone else that Christ hasn't died for. And before you tell someone what they've done wrong, remind yourself of this. It's amazing how ugly your sins look when other people commit them. Call Steve on that one. I didn't like that guy from New York. His death, burial, and resurrection, the only remedy for the shame we feel over the sins that have affected our lives. Listen, if shame and guilt is going to get crucified in our lives, three things have to happen. There needs to be a death, there needs to be a burial, and then there needs to be a resurrection. Otherwise, freedom will never happen. There has to be those things. And here it is. The key to breaking the power of pride-fueled shame Here it is, the superior power of humility-fueled faith. We're going to need that going forward in the work of Christ and the promises of God. Humility-fueled faith. Shame pronounces us guilty and deficient. You are not deficient. You are not guilty. Jesus pronounces us guiltless and promises that his grace will be sufficient for all of us, in all of our weaknesses. As we trust Jesus as our righteousness and our provider, if we believe this, if, you, if you're willing to take authority over this, shame and guilt will lose its power. Will lose its power. Isaiah 53, 5 says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we are healed. He was crushed. The punishment that brought us peace. He died for your peace. Pain has no answer for God's peace in your life. God's love, God's power, God's peace fixes it all. And let me remind you, one drop of blood can fix it all. Why hold on to shame? For your past mistakes, when Jesus declared in John 19.30 on the cross, to tell us that he yelled out, which means it is finished. Paid in full. Jesus died. So that you never have to walk with this stuff ever again. And in regards to your sin, he said this in Psalm 103. It says this about how God forgives us as far as from the east is to the west. That's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. That's infinity. There's no end to that distance. That's how far he's thrown away your sins. He doesn't look at you with the sin in your life. He doesn't look at you with the guilt in your life. He sees you as spotless. He sees you as holy. He sees you as loved. That's how he sees you. He calls you righteous. You may not act righteous or holy, but that's who he calls you. And if you believe that that's your identity, then that's putting on the mind of Christ and that's walking in that identity. And God chose to show that he put the greatest possible distance between you and your sin so that your slate and this issue that, we to- that we're talking about can be wiped clean. You don't have to hold on to this any longer. Don't buy into the lie that it's just me. You don't know what I've done. Jesus does, and he's not shocked. And he's not mad at you. He's mad about you. Your healing has already been accomplished. 
Accept it, knowing it, and say it. Say it out loud. Say, shame doesn't live here anymore. Come on. Shame doesn't live here anymore. Turn around and say it to somebody that you don't know. Come on. Neil's buying free t-shirts for everyone that says that. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's Neil, put it in the budget. Not in the budget yet. You go from isolation to shame, testifying to the crowds about his name. That's what, that's what the blood does. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's what happened to the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus, Jesus forced her to tell the crowd about her shame. And in doing so, she received the healing and cleansing she needed. Jesus made her shame a showcase of his grace. God is calling us now to grab on to grace and let go of shame. He's calling us to grab on to grace and let go of shame. Paul, the apostle Paul tells us how to do that. Forgetting what's behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on the goal to win the prize. Some of you, you're not old enough to know what a trapeze artist maybe in a circus, but if you've ever seen a trapeze artist, they go from one swing to another, and when they, when they go from one swing to another, it's one important thing that they have to do. If they go to the next swing, okay, as soon as they latch onto it, the second they latch onto it is the same second they have to let go of the other swing. And if they don't let go, if they latch on and don't let go, what happens? Stuck in the middle with you. That's what happens. Stuck in the middle. And then that's, that's a problem because now your arms are going to get ripped out or you're going to fall. And that's what happens with us. When we don't let go of shame and grab onto God's grace. We want to grab onto, oh, I'm forgiven, but I like to hold on to this shame a little longer. Hold, hold on. That's what it looks like. And you're going to fall. It's not going to be good. But this is the great exchange program. See, we replace the old with the new. And God doesn't want you living with shame and guilt. He wants to replace your shame with his name. Your guilt with his grace. Your sin with his forgiveness. Your hate with his love. Your pain with his power. And your hurts with his healing. Here's the good news. Are you ready? If you believe it. I hope you believe it. You've got to believe it. God has a remedy and God can fix it all today. Now, some of it, you're going to have to do some follow-up work. Maybe come to encounter. Especially when it comes. But what God can do today, fear, worry, and anxiety, the byproducts of guilt, shame, and regrets. Guilt, shame, and regrets, boom, that can get fixed today. Fear, worry, and anxiety, that can get fixed today as well, too. Worry. I've never seen the body of Christ worry have so much anxiety like I have. COVID. COVID didn't produce that. It just revealed the weakness. And the trust we have in God. Just think about how God feels when we worry. Imagine having a conversation with your father. When did I ever let you down? When have I ever been unfaithful? When have I ever come true? Aren't all my promises yes and amen? God's faithful. God is faithful. He is faithful. God has remedy for it all. Now I get why many of you have a hard time believing that statement. Because you've been living with fear, worry, and anxiety most of your life. Like I have. See, they were three of my closest companions growing up. Since I was a little boy growing up in New York City, the one thing I could remember is always being afraid. Always worrying, always being anxious, always filled with fear and anxiety all the time. I was afraid of the dark. 
I was afraid of going to sleep. From the time I think I was maybe four years old, demons would wake me up in the middle of the night. I was haunted with nightmares. Had physical manifestations of demons sitting on me, choking me in the middle of my sleep. Chasing me down in my sleep, actually waking me up where I was wide awake and having those same demons in the room while I was wide awake. I would try and scream, but words and sounds would never come out of my mouth because they would hold my throat. I was terrified of the night. The apartment I grew up in was an open door to evil spirits. My mother loved playing the Ouija board, among other demonic things that were allowed in that apartment. She would have her friends come over and play all the time. She actually turned it into a family game where me and my sisters would play it all the time. This went on for years. Scripture has actually a lot to say about demonic spirits and how they operate. We don't have time to get into all the scriptures, but one that stands out is this. Luke eleven twenty four says, When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest. But when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds that its former home is all swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. If you don't take care of guilt, shame, and regrets, demons can exist outside or inside humans. They're able to travel. They're able to communicate. Each one has a separate identity. They're able to remember and make plans. They have assignments. They study and watch you, by the way. They roam around patiently waiting for the right moment. They're able to evaluate and make decisions. They combine forces. They vary in different degrees of wickedness. They masquerade as angels of light. They can possess a person but not a believer, but they can't oppress a believer. And here's, watch this. They can make you worry. They can make you anxious. They can give you anxiety, and they can make you fearful. But here's all you need to know about evil spirits. You can have a million evil spirits oppressing you with all sorts of demonic activity, and all it takes is one Holy Spirit to destroy them all. You never have to be afraid. All it takes is for you to call on one angel of the Lord to wipe them all out, or one feeble, weak believer that has an ounce of faith that realizes they have authority in Christ, okay, and applies the blood over them and commands them to leave their presence with all of their demons, and they walk free. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Well, as a result of being exposed to so much demonic activity in that apartment, I gave in to my fears. Not to mention my dad leaving when I was six months old, being sexually assaulted, being bullied, and fighting for my life. That's where all the guilt and the shame and the regrets came in. For as far back as I can remember, I was fearful and full of anxiety. I was afraid and nervous and on edge all the time. I actually had panic attacks. I had no capacity to do any public speaking whatsoever. If I had to speak to four people up front, I would just shut down. I would have, I I couldn't, my heart would race, my mouth would shut and I would run off. I, I, would, I, I had no capacity. I would, get, I would just have a major panic attack. Playing basketball helped me because while I had a ball in my hand, it, the nerves calmed down, but the adrenaline increased. It was a great combination because it allowed me to dominate the game of basketball when I was in high school. When I left New York City to play basketball in Louisiana, I went through a series of difficult rejections, opposition, hardships, and setbacks 
that I wasn't mentally stable or strong enough to handle. I had a lot of trauma growing up that I stuffed, but the, this first year and a half of school, with so many traumatic things were, were done to me that I, I just I couldn't handle it. And I'm sure that if someone back then diagnosed me, they would come to the conclusion that I had some type of mental breakdown. And that first summer and first year of school was probably the most traumatic time in my life. And I was so used to packing away pain and fueling my fear, worry, and anxiety that I was oblivious to the damage that was done to me emotionally. And when I transferred to Eastern Kentucky University, I was so shot mentally that I lost my edge on the basketball court and completely lost my game. Night and day, total. And getting high and having sex seemed like the only thing that would make the noise in my head go away. I would go on three-day binges where I'd be up for three straight days without a minute of sleep doing cocaine and alcohol just so that on the fourth day I would get a decent night's rest. Demons would still attack me in the middle of the night. And my roommate's daughter was just me having hallucinations from the LSD I took every now and then. Fast forward, Carolyn, Carolyn and I got married. And for the first 13 years of our marriage, I put her through a living hell a pain and disappointment. And all throughout those years, Carolyn witnessed many nights of demons attacking me in my sleep. It seemed like the more they attacked me, the more, made, the more I made her life miserable. But here's what I know. I know that God one day, many, many years ago, put a reserve sign on me that when I was lost and growing up in East Harlem and said one day Bill Reeser would give his life to my son Jesus Christ and Bill Reeser will serve him with all his heart, mind, and his soul. See, my father in heaven recruited me, even before I was born, to play on his team. Hell lost another one the day I gave my life to Jesus Christ. All of heaven celebrated the day I accepted that free scholarship, signed with the blood of Jesus, giving me a full free ride to play on Team Jesus. No better team than to play on Team Jesus. Now, I bet you're wondering how God delivered me from all my fears, worry, and anxiety, right? I get questions like this all the time. It's going to be a mind blow. You, want to, you may want to write this down. You ready? I gave my life to Jesus, and I spoke the name of Jesus. I spoke the name of Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus, and I spoke the name of Jesus. Yeah, I know. I know you're a Christian and all that stuff. But how'd you get delivered? I gave my life to Jesus, and I started speaking the name of Jesus. I knew who I was the moment I gave my life to I knew that I was changed. I knew that Christ delivered. I knew that I was forgiven. I knew I was a new creation in Christ. I knew that the blood came over me, and the blood had power. Well, how did God deliver you from all this speaking? Not able to speak, not able to do public speaking. I spoke the name of Jesus. It really is that simple. Well, here's what happened in all reality. Well, first, let me tell you this. Since the first day, the night I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I've never had another demonic visit or attack in my sleep ever again. And when the evil spirits came back to take residence in this house and try and put me back in chains, I bet you they were surprised to find out that I now live in a gated community, guarded by God's best warring angels. I got the best security team ever. 
They asked if they could just visit for just one day, and I'm sure that's when one of the angels said, oh, that would not be possible. That swept house has never been empty since you last saw him. It has a no vacancy sign, and the Holy Spirit signed a lifelong lease with no plans of ever leaving. Here's how God delivered me from my fear of speaking. And I had a big fear. I, couldn't, I, I had no capacity to do it whatsoever. I was attending Southland Christian Church, and my good friend Mike Bro said, Bill, you're going to share your testimony. I didn't know what a testimony was. I didn't know I had a testimony. I was just speaking the name of Jesus, inviting people to, to come to church and give their lives to Jesus Christ. That's all I knew and I, because God saved me, and I knew instinctively that's all I wanted to do for the rest of my life. He said, you're going to share your story. I didn't know what my story was. I didn't know what all these events were in my life. I never really thought about it. All I, all I thought about was I was forgiven. He says, no, a month from now, I'll give you four weeks, put your story together. We have six services, a thousand people each service. And, and then I, I went home and I started, I put out a piece of paper. I couldn't write a single word. Couldn't write a single word. Well, this caused a problem for me and Carolyn because Carolyn said, you're going to blow it if you don't write it. I said, I, 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 don't, I don't know what my testimony is. I can't put any words down. This went on for a week and went on for a second week. And she goes, you're going to mess the whole thing up. And she has the gift of faith. And then we went on back and forth, back and forth, two weeks, three weeks. And about the third week, at the end of the third week, a prayer group comes over and prays for me, whole prayer group. And after they prayed, one person said this after they prayed. They said, Bill, God placed this on my heart. I'm going to share it with you. The devil's trying to kill you. He doesn't want you sharing your testimony. He's going to try and wipe you out and kill you before you share your testimony this coming Saturday. Next Saturday. But God is going to annihilate and destroy the work of Satan in your life. But somehow he wants to show you that he's going to do it. And God's going to give you the ability, his power, and his peace when you get up there. Because when you share your testimony for the first time, a ministry is going to get birth. And thousands of people are going to give their lives to Christ and get set free. Like guilt, shame, worry, fear, anxiety. I thought, well, that's a great word. I just thought about it. A lot of people speak words of knowledge to me. Well, another prayer group that didn't know that prayer group prayed over me. Some person got up and said, listen, God placed something in my heart. It was the same exact words. Word for word. Devil's trying to kill you because he knows the ministry is going to start once you share your testimony. But God's going to take him out. He wants you to see it somehow. I don't know what that means. And just know it won't be you speaking. It'll be God giving you the peace and the power. Third prayer group, prayer group comes over and prays for me. And uh, same exact words. Person had a word of knowledge. Same Word for word for word. Three different prayer groups, same word. Wednesday night, Carolyn says, what do you got? I got uh, three words. How you doing? That's, that's all I got. <laughs> You're going to blow it. And she has the gift of faith. I go to bed that night, and uh, we lived on Cave Hill Lane off Harrodsburg Road, where Kerr Brothers Funeral Home is. I always thought when I died, they'd just roll me down the rest of the, the end of the block. <laughs> it's be really cool. <laughs> and uh, about three in the morning, I got up. It was the most ferocious storm that I've ever seen. Lightning, rain, wind, branches breaking it was loud as I, I've ever seen in my life. And I thought to myself, this is the worst storm I've ever seen. I'm going to have so much damage. And 
I said, I'll just get up at sunrise and assess the damage. Well, I got up at sunrise and I walked out to my front porch and I looked. There was no leaves. I looked at the grass. The grass was completely dry. There wasn't even dew on the grass. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. And I said, Lord, what is this? What did I see last night? And then God said this. I woke you up last night to show you the battle that I won on your behalf. I annihilated the work of the devil in your life. He tried to kill you, but I took him out. And I want you to go up there Saturday. All, all you need to know is that the moment you start speaking, it won't be you speaking. I'll give you my peace and my power. And God started the ministry that day. So that today, chains can be broken for shame, guilt, fear, worry, and anxiety. <laughs> Worship team, you guys could come on out. Listen, real quick, with the time that we have, we're going to close with this. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I read that real quick, but let's get the next slide. See, here's how I love studying Scripture. Look for Scriptures that make a statement. What's the statement? Do not be anxious about anything. Then it gives us instructions of what to do next. But in everything, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why that? It says everything, big or small. What we got to do is we got to go to, go to God first. Got to pray first. God says, tell me what you need. You have not because you ask not. The way that we get rid of these weapons of self-destruction is through prayer. And why with thanksgiving? So you can remind yourself that God is faithful. That God is good. And he's been good to you. Here's the promise. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a great promise. That peace will heal you. See, the person with the mind of Christ doesn't worry. He's not fearful. He's not anxious. Doesn't have guilt, shame, regrets, and condemnation. My good friend Carter Conlon pastor at Times Square Church in New York City. Well, I've met him. Carolyn would say, he's not your good friend, but I've met him a few times. I've talked with him. I've, I've had lunch with him. Great man of God. When he first got saved, he had panic attacks with fear and anxiety that would take him out. Nine years. He's a former cop. Great call of God on his life. And when he first got saved, these panic attacks would never go away. He had to take lithium and he had to drink just to take the edge off. And then he got saved. He didn't even have scripture memorized. But he had an ounce of faith, a half of scripture that said, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, who can be against me? And he felt one of these things coming on. And he went down his basement and he says, and he made this declaration. He said, devil, I know this is from you because it ain't from God. Because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. He had that one memorized. I know this ain't from you. Now, here's the deal, devil. Do whatever you want with me tonight. If I die, I win. I go to heaven. I win. So throw everything you got at me. But in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I throw everything I have at you. 
And I take authority over you in Jesus' name. And when he prayed that prayer, all he can say is this. A heat came from his feet that went through his legs, through his torso, out of his head, out of his body. And he felt God's peace for the first time and he never had another panic attack ever again in his life, ever. I want to give you the opportunity to come to God and declare that today is the last day that guilt, shame, regrets, fear, worry, and anxiety is going to wreak havoc in your life. Whether it's the guilt and shame from an abortion, know this, you are deeply loved. And this is a, this is a guilt-free, shame-free zone. You are perfectly loved by your Father in heaven. And his grace goes way beyond the totality of not just that sin, but all of our sins. Do you believe that? But maybe you've never told anyone. Maybe you just want to get it right with God. Maybe you want to come forward. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, worry, anxiety, guilt, shame, regrets, come to the altar. Spend some time. We're going to create time for you to be in God's presence. Your encounter today is not with Bill Reese. Your encounter today has been reserved for you and God and the Holy Spirit here. And for us, for everyone else, for most of us, let's use this time to pray for our country. Come forward and pray for wisdom for the church of what we're going to do now that this decision for life has been overturned. What do we do next? Because the work of the church is now going to begin of what to do next. We're going to need wisdom, grace, and all the love of God and truth of God. And we're going to need to apply that humility-fueled faith to address this issue in the upcoming days. It's chaos out there, but it's peace in here. Let's go to God in prayer first. Let's spend time with God. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's where it all starts to accept what he's done for you. And if that's you, just pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I really repent today and I acknowledge my sin and I turn from that sin and I turn to you. I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me and saving me. And I declare today that you are my Lord and my Savior. And thank you for loving me and thank you for forgiving me and writing my name in heaven's book, never to be erased. Come forward. Spend time in God's presence. At the end of the service, we're going to make a declaration and we're going to give God a great shout of praise. But before that, come forward. Spend some time with God.
Every stronghold 
speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within his presence I speak Jesus Jesus and what a beautiful name it is what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a beautiful name it is nothing compares to this what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Every name that nothing can stand against. 
What a powerful name it is to speak the name of Jesus. Now listen, you got the Bible light version of this series today, the summary. I encourage you to go to the uh, Church and Savior Facebook page and watch the whole series. Well, so, by the way, Encounters on the radio, Monday through Friday from 11.15 to 11.30. Just so you know, we have a radio show. God's given us an opportunity. And I'm talking about worry this week. So tune into that. But we're going to close our service by making a declaration and getting this thing off of us once and for all. Are you ready to do that? Because like I said, guilt, shame, regrets, fear, worry, anxiety, not allowed to leave the building today. Might have came in with us, not allowed to leave the building with us. And when we're done praying, we're going to give a shout of praise like we've never shouted before. Twice as loud than the first one. And I'm going to jump higher with my vertical leap, which I don't have. It's about a half an inch now. Higher than, I'm going to jump higher than Julie. Are you ready? Just say this. Declare it out loud. If God be for me, who can be against me? God has not given me a spirit of fear, but love, a power, and a sound mind. Devil, putting you on notice. I take authority over you. Whatever you throw at me, I win. If I die, I go to heaven. So whatever you got, give it to me. But in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, I throw at you. And I draw a bloodline over my life. The blood that defeated you. The blood that gives me authority over you. Leave right now in Jesus' name. Guilt, be gone. Shame, be gone. Regrets, be gone. Fear, be gone. Anxiety, be gone. Worry, be gone. In Jesus' name. I speak to it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go get your kids. Have a nice, beautiful Sunday. Give them heaven this week. If they don't like it, tell them how to get there. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.
Thank you for joining us online at Church of the Savior today. We hope you were encouraged to pursue God and grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take your next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There's also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can pray for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.